Welcome to Eye on the Ball. I'm Tim Everett, here with my good friend, Garrett Rance. Garrett, I love the stories of Jesus, the parable of that Jesus told. His disciples, not always. Uh, sometimes they ask him, why did you tell that story? <laughs> or, or why didn't um, you talk clearly to the crowd that we help assemble you know, to listen to you? But um, you just never get to the bottom of these, these stories. These, uh, I like to describe a parable as a little story with a big point. Amen. So let's look at the big point behind the, the story of uh, the parable of the talents. Uh, this is something that I, I'm anxious to hear what you have to say about from an economic um, point of view. I, I heard a, a radio uh, question and answer thing this morning, and a, a young man got a hold of $40,000, and he asked the financial expert. He said, I want to be biblically responsible with it. Is that a good question? Uh, to start that is, with, yeah. That's the best question when it comes to money is, is, is what, from a biblical perspective, is there something that I can take out and, and apply this to this block of money or any of my money? So I, I think that's, he's asking the right questions, Good, you know, and whether or not uh, you're asking the right question to the right person, that's another, that's another issue altogether. Um, but in terms of asking the right question, um, you know, so much of our life is about our attitude and the, the attitude that we have towards other people and, and towards our possessions. And so when we talk about being biblically responsible, when it comes to money management, um, there's, there's something that is key that, that has to start, has to be the foundation of all of this. And that comes from Deuteronomy ten fourteen. Um, you know, the heaven and the heaven of heavens is the Lord's thy God, the earth also with all that therein is, and depending on you know your translation, bottom line here is you don't own anything. God owns everything. It belongs to Him because you're on this earth, and the earth is within the heavens, and uh, so everything belongs to Him. He created everything, and the idea that something belongs to us goes against Scripture. Um, the idea that it's ours goes against Scripture, and so we 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 have this this attitude so often that we earned something or that something is uh, that we are entitled to something and we are not our, our entire life is a gift of God. If we know him, that's another gift of God. And if we have the ability to provide for ourselves and our family, that's a gift of God. And so we have to recognize that it all belongs to him. And we are put here on this earth with a purpose that God gives us and lays out very clearly in Scripture, and we have to take that attitude into every aspect of our life, um, emotional, physical, spiritual, of course. Mm -hmm. And so when we look at this parable of the talents, um, and we're going to take a, a deep look at this, yeah. I've been studying this for quite a while, and every time I study it, um, it's something. there's something new that jumps out at me. And the first thing that I would say is, I mean, obviously, I've been hearing sermons on the parable of the talents since I was a child. I grew up in church. I was fortunate enough to have Christian parents that brought me up in church. And so I've heard variety of different sermons on this. I've, and and I've heard, you know, obviously, you hear them from television and YouTube and other things these days. I have heard some speakers, and I'm going to call them a speaker instead of a pastor because mm. – uh, I think they were wrong in this, and yeah. uh, they may have the position of a pastor, but they're not <laughs> shepherding their flock properly. Yeah. I have heard that this is all about money. Mm -hmm. I have heard that this is not about money at all. And so you've got 
you've got different varieties of, of the interpretation of this. And I think the reality of it is this is such a deep story, you know, and to your mm-hmm. point that this is a, a small message or, or uh, how did you say it again? Like a this, small story with a big point. Small story with a big point. And mm-hmm. this is this is one of the biggest points because this parable does apply to every aspect of our lives. This is a parable that Jesus told to his disciples in private. That's a key point here. So this is an intimate teaching that Christ is trying to teach those that are closest to him, mm-hmm. trying to teach them something that's very, very valuable in life. And so when we, we look at this, and if, if you're wondering where we're taking this from, this is in Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 14. For it is just like a man going on a journey. He called his own slaves, and that word slaves there is possibly better interpreted as employees. So when you're looking at this parable, it's really not relevant for us to think of these people as slaves. It's relevant for us to to think of these people as employees. And so he called his own employees and turned over his possessions to them. All right, so here we have the picture of God who who owns everything. Everything is his. And he's turning over some of his possessions to us to be a steward of it. And get this, look at the next verse there. Verse 15, it says, to one he gave five, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. Now, that's the first clue right there that we have that we're not equal. So the idea that there is equality or that there is equity, that's another new word that's mm-hmm. coming out yeah. where you know not only do we want people to be equal, we also want people to have the same outcomes. And I tell you what, it doesn't matter what you do to me, how much training you do to me, I will never be able to play basketball in the NBA. <laughs> not going to happen. Yeah. Those guys have a level mm-hmm. of talent, and we use the word talent here. I think that's an interesting word. Talent in this context, in the parable, uh, it means a weight. So this is actually a weight of coins probably Mm -hmm. or bars, whatever it would be, but Mm -hmm. more than likely coins. So it's probably a bag of coins that had a certain weight to it. And we don't know whether it was gold or silver, but it was probably one Mm -hmm. of those two. Um, it's, a, we, it's a sum of money, but it also would be applicable to any resource, like a talent, like, like the way we define talent. Absolutely. Huh? Yeah, okay. And so, you know, I'll never have enough talent at basketball to play in the NBA. It's just not going to happen. I'm five foot nine. I'm, I'm old. I can't jump. I can't shoot anymore. You know, it's just it's just never going to happen. We're not equal. I'm not equal with those guys when it comes to that particular skill level that they have. And so we have to understand that God gives us things to some extent based on what we can handle, right? I mean, I, and, and I've heard this said a lot, and it's really not scriptural and really not, it's really kind of taken out of context that, you know, God will never give you things that you can't handle. That's, that's incorrect. Mm-hmm. I think what people were trying to say when they say that is that God can get you through anything. Mm-hmm. That he um, can't handle through that us There's nothing that us. he yeah. can't handle. There are certainly things that we can't handle, and the idea yeah. that you can't handle some things is actually a good thing because that means we have to rely and have, have faith yeah. on, in the Lord. So he gives us according to our ability. Now, that's an important thing that right there that tells us that, hey, there's some of us that are going to have different abilities. We're, we're going to have different abilities. And we see this echoed later uh, in Ephesians when we talk about, you know, some are given to be pastors, some are, mm-hmm. you know, so, so we, right. we know that there are people that have different abilities. Mm-hmm. We know this, this is common, this should be mm-hmm. common sense. And so he gives each according to his own ability. 
And then he went on a journey. Where is God now? Yeah, God's on his throne. You know, he's at, uh, he's in heaven. He spent a time. He spent a time in flesh Mm -hmm. here. Right. We know as as Jesus, as Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. Yeah. And so he has gone on a journey to his home. Not that he's not still here in spirit, spirit. but just the parallels here, right? Right. So we, we, we can see that. The next word is actually the first word of a sentence, but it's still in verse 15. But the word that I have there is immediately immediately. And that's going to be key when we talk about our attitudes about how we do things. So number one, verse, uh, verse 14, the, the key word there that you need to know is, is, is employee. And I think it's a good practice uh, to, for us to think of ourselves as a Christian, that, that, that we have been adopted by the Lord, that he has commissioned us, he has charged us to each have a ministry, that we are his employee. Not only are we his child, but we're also his employee. He has expectations of us that we're going to do certain things and rely on him. I think it's a good practice for us to think of ourselves not only as a child of God, but also as an employee. Uh, Verse 15, I think it's important to understand that we are each different by God's design. Both physically and mentally, we are all different, and we are going to have different abilities. And then the key word here. I put it in verse 16 because it's really in the sentence with, with 16 here, is that word immediately. Immediately, the man who had received five talents went and put them to work, and he earned five more. In relationship to money, mm-hmm. if we're going to talk, if we're going to apply this specifically to money, then you understand that there's always an opportunity. Regardless of what point of history you're in, there's always an opportunity right then and there. And if you have the attitude that you're going to wait and see about something, you're likely going to miss the opportunity. When we apply this to us as as a, a child of God, and we because we know God and because we know the gospel, we have to apply this to how important it is to share the gospel. Mm-hmm. The fact that we're not going to wait until we know that everything that there is to know about God, because guess what? You're never going to get there. We're not, we don't need to wait until we have a seminary education before we tell somebody about what Jesus has done in our lives. It should be exciting and it should be something that is immediate. Not to say that we obviously get things wrong when we're, when we're first saved, there's a lot of things that we don't know and we have to be careful with what we say, but our reaction to it should be immediate. It should be exciting. The fact that God has saved you from who you are. Yeah, we look back at missed opportunities financially. We think, I wish I would have invested in this. But I think about how how Christ would come through towns and call someone to be his disciple, and they would say, first let me go and say goodbye to Dad, or let me go settle my accounts. But, you know, they had that, make that decision right then. It was an opportunity that would never present itself in the same way again. And so, yeah, that word immediate, it's, it's one of the favorite words of Mark through the whole gospel of Mark, immediately. Jesus would do this, then immediately he'd go and do that. And it was a, a journey, but it's, it's a pretty quick journey. <laughs> Amen. Uh, yeah, it's, it's such an important word. It's such a key word. Then we look in verse 17, and we see that in the same way, the man with two earned two more. It, it, it mimics here. Keep in mind, so I would say that this is not, the five and the two doesn't matter. It's the reaction. It's the attitude mm-hmm. that they were, number one, they were grateful. You know, you get, for anything in life, you can really have two attitudes. Mm-hmm. You can either be grateful for it, whether you earned it or not isn't important, you're grateful for it. The other attitude that you can have is that you're entitled to it. 
that you did earn it. And the danger with that is too often we think that, oh, we earned it. And really, we earned more than this. So where's the rest of it? Sense of entitlement. Absolutely. Yeah. And so that's where this sense of entitlement comes from is that, oh, well, no, that's a basic human right. Um, are you sure about that? You know, where, where does the Bible say that whatever it is is a basic human right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't really have too much in the way of basic human rights, especially when we have that right attitude that we're only here because God put us here, that all of the things that we see and all of the things that we, quote, have belong to him. Um, we should have this attitude that we're grateful and that we don't deserve it because we're all filthy, dirty sinners. I mean, that's period. We are filthy, dirty sinners, and we need Christ. Um, we we need his word. We need his presence. We need his spirit. Uh, we need everything about him. So we see if, that this. If you told me that uh, meet me at Brookshire's at Dune and I'll give you a hundred dollars, and then you said come back the next day and we'll do the same and, and ongoing, eventually if you didn't show up one day, I'd want to know where's my money. Exactly, that's a great point because we get used to that. Mm-hmm. And and yeah. you know, for those of us that have had employees before, we've seen that behavior in our employees. Mm-hmm. We've seen that behavior where um, they show up and they expect something. Whether or not they earned it doesn't matter. There's an entitlement there. And if we're being honest, we ourselves have had that. And any grace gift becomes um, a a precedent for later in the minds of the recipient of that gift. So we move on to verse 18 here. But the man who had received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. (laughs) And now we're going to see just how dangerous this is here in a few minutes. So key word here in this verse is master's money. It was never his money to begin with. It was always his master's money. This was common practice then. I mean, money was kept in crypts. You would say they would, they would dig holes. They would living in Louisiana. We think of, you know, digging a hole in the dirt. But um, when we take in mind where they were, this would have been possibly a hole in a a rock. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. You know, so this would have been a cave. This could have been uh, in rock. It could have, it could have been in soil. Um, but that was a common way for people to keep their treasures. They would dig a place, and they would only them would know where it's at, and that was a way to keep it safe. Here's the Israel has always been a, a great place for treasure hunting because people were always hiding their money, fleeing the enemy, and a lot of times they never they were killed or they didn't get back to un, to digging their money back up. So you know there there was that sense of fear of I got to hide what I have because someone's trying to take it from the enemy's trying to take it from me. Right. And so that was, and, and you, you hit the key word here, fear. Fear. We see that this servant was fearful, fearful of uh, consequences, fearful that um, he would misuse the money so terribly. And it, it, was, it was, for lack of a better term, this was analysis paralysis for this individual. Yeah. I don't know what to do, so I'm not going to do anything. Mm-hmm. That's really not good advice mm-hmm. because we miss out on opportunities. Mm-hmm. And we'll key on that here in a, in a little bit. Okay. Verse 19, after a long time, the master of those slaves or employees came and he settled the accounts with them. So here's the expectation that we should know. God is going to settle our accounts one day. Do we want to be responsible for our behavior? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, we want to have responsible behavior, but we don't want to be held responsible for it. We know that one day there's going to be a settling of accounts and we've each got a lot of sins that are there and the fact that Jesus is going to stand for us and say mm-hmm. that is paid, you know, mm. welcome home, my child. Yeah. Um, that's a powerful thing oh, yeah. in this parable. 
where he's talking to his disciples and he's talking about settling the accounts, he is referring to in the parable a literal settling of the money. Uh, you know, this is an accounting of what did you do with my money? Verse 20, the man who had received five talents approached. So there's another attitude. He, he gratefully goes to his master. He approaches his master. He's looking forward to seeing him. He's looking forward to seeing him. And he presented five more talents and said, Master, you gave me five. You can just feel this attitude of, of gratefulness. You gave me five, and look, I've earned five more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful, in my translation here, slave or employee or servant, depending on uh, the use of the word there. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. There's a reward right there, the joy. And you can see it. He approached the master. He was already joyful. And the master is telling him much more joy is going to come. Back to talking about attitude. Attitude. It was about attitude. At verse 22, then the man with two talents also also approached. So exactly the same, exactly the same behavior. He said, Master, you gave me two, and look, I've earned two more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. So we have two examples here, and the, the, the amount is not important. Whether it's five or whether it's two, it could have been one. The attitude is what's important. Right. And so we see that um, they're settling accounts. They're talking through things uh, more than likely. It, it's not listed here because this is a parable. This is not necessarily a real-life event. This is what Christ is telling his disciples. We see that there is a settling of accounts, and two are ready to see their master. They're anxious to see their master. Mm -hmm. They want to see their master because they're grateful for the opportunity that he gave them. And they did well with what they had. Mm -hmm. And then we look at verse 24, and it says, The man who had received one talent also approached. Now, there's no difference here. He approached the master too. He also approached the master, and he said, Master, I know you. You are a difficult man. So immediately he took the focus off of himself. Mm -hmm. And he starts pointing fingers and blaming and making excuses. So his first excuse is that, Master, you're a difficult man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. He does admit to being fearful. I was afraid and went off and hid your talent in the ground. Look, you have what is yours. He already had it. He didn't need to put you in charge of it to bury it for him. He could have done that himself. <laughs> right. And so we have this attitude yeah. of fear. But more than this, and, and we'll see this later, this is a lazy attitude. Mm -hmm. This is an attitude of making excuses. This is an attitude of being lazy. And so in verse, going back to verse 18, you know, just a reminder, this is the master's money. Verse 19, he's settling accounts. Verses 20 through 23, it's the, the story of the good, the five and the two, and the fact that they were ready to see the master. And then when we get to verse 24, he starts with an excuse. In verse 26, here's the reply of the master. But his master replied to him, you evil, lazy slave. Are you evil, lazy servant? And the word that's used there is paneros, wicked. So it's even more, you know, that evil, yeah. wicked. There is this terrible association with the attitude there. Mm -hmm. He's not attacking the results. The master's not attacking the results. He's attacking the attitude. 
you wicked, evil, lazy servant. And he says, if you knew that I reap where I haven't sown and gather where I have not scattered, then you should have deposited my money with the bankers. And when I returned, I would have, I would have received my money back with interest. So he addresses kind of the result second, but it's, 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 it's a mm-hmm. distant second to the attitude mm-hmm. that he's saying there. So often, especially, you know, as I meet with clients and in, in my profession and what I do, fear is a more powerful emotion, even than greed. Now, greed's not a good one either, right? I mean, that's not a good thing. But fear is more powerful. And, and here's an example of where we have a servant that was fearful. Or was fear just his excuse? And really, the reality of it is he was lazy. And, and so we, when we apply this to money, we know that money that isn't put to work doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. And what we're experiencing here in our country right now is inflation. And our government is admitting to the last number was 5.4% inflation which is pretty high. You can't get 5.4% interest in anything that's fixed and guaranteed. You know, you're doing good to get 1%. So you're losing 4.4% every year that your money is sitting and, and earning 1%. So greed would make you invest recklessly and fear would make you choose not bury to invest at all. Yeah, Absolutely. Right. Bury, to, your to money, bury your money or yeah. maybe have it in, uh, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, have too much money. I do recommend that everybody's got money in a savings account. No question. Mm-hmm. Have an emergency fund. But too much money in there can be a result of fear. So many of the commercials are geared toward fear, like put all your money in gold. Yes, that's why they appeal to that fear that the government's going to take your IRA or the government's going to do this. And look, that's always been a reality. That's always been a possibility. Mm -hmm. But if you let that drive your decision, then you're letting fear drive your decision Mm -hmm. and possibly laziness. Mm -hmm. And we see this attitude here, you know, with, with this. Right. In verse 27, what he's really saying is he said, you should have done something and don't keep this to yourself. So this is, this is money. This is about money in the parable. It's also about the gospel. Mm -hmm. If you know the cure for cancer, why would you keep it to yourself? Mm -hmm. You know, possibly for profit. We know the cure for our terminal illness. Yeah. Why would we keep it to ourselves? Right. Knowing Christ is everything. What he's saying here is uh, it's a great time to be alive for those of us who have answers and we have the answer. Amen. Amen. He's talking to his disciples here Mm -hmm. and he's saying exactly what you said. You've got the answers. Mm -hmm. You've got me. You better not keep this to yourself. Mm -hmm. I'm commissioning you. I'm charging you. I'm putting you in charge of my most valuable resource which is the other people on this earth. Mm-hmm. So this is about money, but it's also about people. Yeah, amen. And That's it's good much more about people yeah. than it is about money. Yeah. Uh, verse 28, you know, this, uh, when, when we look at 28, and I haven't read it yet, but uh, I think people's mindset for this is, uh, this is a story about rich versus poor. It's not a story about rich versus poor. It's a story about lazy versus active. And so keep that in mind as we read this. Verse 28 so take the talent, take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. So this isn't, like I said, this isn't mm-hmm. from poor to rich. This is from lazy and is being given to those that are active. Verse 29, for to everyone who has more will be given and he will have more than enough. But from the one who do, does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And throw this good-for-nothing slave into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
All right, so I have heard it preached that this was about money is a blessing, and if you've got a lot of money, it's because God has blessed you, and he's blessed you because you've done something right, and so you're going to get more. That's not exactly accurate, right? (laughs) Because like I said, this isn't about rich versus poor. This is about lazy versus active. Maybe a better word instead of active is responsible. Yeah. Are you being responsible with your money? Are you being responsible with the most valuable resource that you have, which is not money, which is your knowledge of Christ? Mm-hmm. So uh, verse 29 here, the grateful and the fruitful versus the selfish and the lazy. Mm-hmm. And then we see here in verse 30 that this is an example of a, of a person that is lost. Yeah. That the, the ultimate price that they're going to pay is that they're going to spend an eternity in hell, and they're, they're lost. They need the right attitude. That right attitude stems from a grateful heart. It stems from a connection with Christ, a relationship with Christ. You talked about the word earlier, doulos, and um, I mean, slave. Slave, the Greek word is doulos, and it's real controversial in modern translations whether to translate it slave or servant or, you know, employee. It's interesting here, though, that while all three of them in the beginning were doulos, at the end we see the disobedient one still a slave. It says, um, throw this good-for-nothing doulos into outer darkness. But in the context of the gospel, we see these two faithful ones would be considered sons, you know, at the end of this parable. That, that is great. That, yes, exactly. I, there's a couple of takeaways from this that I think is is very important for us to understand. We can all plug ourselves into the parable of the talents. And right. we've mm-hmm. possibly, I know I personally have been in each of their places, right? Mm-hmm. In, in yeah. the place of one, in the place of two, in the place of five. Mm-hmm. Never been in the place of the master. Mm-hmm. Um, have mm-hmm. been in the place of an employer. Mm-hmm. Never in the place of a, a, a master in this sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but number one, we're all guilty. We're all guilty it's important that we have the right attitude all of the time. Those under grace will be so grateful that love flows out. And Amen. this this is what I call the ATM of life. All right, so we want to talk about money. This is the ATM of life. What are you going to do when it comes to your attitude, when it comes to your time, and when it comes to your money. Because if your ATM of life is all about you, then you have the entitlement mentality. You have the mentality of this lazy, wicked slave. If you have the ATM of Christ, then you have a grateful heart, a grateful attitude. You're gonna give him your time, you're gonna give him your talent, not in the sense that's here of, of weights, but your actual talents, whether you can sing or play or speak or whatever it is, you're going to give that to him and to other people. And you're going to do the same thing with your money. You're going to give your money back to who it belongs because you're grateful for the opportunity to live. You're grateful for the opportunity to know Christ. You're grateful for the opportunity for the master to have put you in charge of some things. Mm-hmm. And you're going to give your money to other people as well. And so it's either all about you or it's all about him. So how you treat your ATM is very important. (laughs) Love that. So the parable of the talents, here's how I would say it. It's about everything that we touch and that we hear and that we feel. 
Mm-hmm. So it's, mm-hmm. it is about money. It is about the gospel and it's about everything else too. Mm-hmm. Right. Here's what I would tell you. We have this terminology that we use all of the time. We hear people talk about money as a blessing. No, it's not. Money is not a blessing. It's not a blessing to this wicked, lazy servant, is it? It ended up being a curse for him. Money is not a blessing. It's a test. What you do with your money and what you do with your time and what you do with your attitude, that's going to determine whether it's a blessing or a curse. We should never think of money as a blessing. We should think of money as a test. You get new money. You get a new job. You get a new raise. You inherit money. uh, You make a lot of money in your business. Whatever it is, you're being tested. You're not being blessed. How you treat it and what you do with it is going to be a blessing or a curse. Very good. Whether you've got five, two, or one, doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. It's that Mm -hmm. attitude. It's what you do. And so this is the foundation of being biblically responsible when it comes to money management. This is where I start. If you don't get this, then you're not going to get any of the things. You know, anybody can sit around and tell you, you need to put cash in an envelope and pay for things in cash. You need to get out of debt. This is all common sense stuff. doesn't have anything to do necessarily with the Bible. That could be just good financial advice. But when it comes to biblical financial advice, it's got to start with this foundation of attitude, you know, the, the attitude of gratitude. It's got to start there. It's got to start with the attitude that it's not yours. It is the master's. Don't ever think that it's yours. You're not entitled to it. It doesn't belong to you. It's been entrusted to you. And so if you look at your life from a financial aspect as a test, then it makes it a whole lot easier to understand what God wants us to do. You want to know God's will? Be an ATM for him. Amen. Amen. You know, um, the word responsibility, maybe it needs to be two words, responsibility. You know, God gives us a responsibility with whatever is given to That's us. That's good. And, um, so, and the ability that we have is with him. You know, and, and looking at everything is a test, like you said. And I, th- I think there's a countercultural movement now among millennials. I don't know how, how big it is. But there's a lot of hits on, on YouTube uh, videos that have to do with minimalism or stoicism, the idea it's a reaction to materialism. Uh, I think they're reacting against the materialism of baby boomers. And so they're living in tiny houses. You know, they're downsizing. They're, uh, they're trying to... Uh, and, and a lot of this is so positive, but a better reaction to materialism is not stoicism or minimalism. It would be stewardship. Amen. You know, and that's what you're teaching here: the idea that uh, not looking, you know, at money as evil, but just neutral, and it's our attitude toward it and our the ability of what we do with it that makes it good or bad. And um, so, man, that's very helpful to me. Thank you for this, Garrett. Yeah, my pleasure. This is about opportunity. Yeah, it's a you know that's another way of saying this. Mm-hmm. Don't miss an opportunity. Yeah, for anything financial, and certainly don't miss an opportunity to share Christ with someone. Amen. Yeah, don't waste your time. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your life. That was the title of one of John Piper's books uh, that I've given to to graduating seniors. Don't waste your life. Uh, amen. Thank you. Uh, thank you for listening to uh, Eye on the Ball. 